It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. There's part of that. They were most recently eligible. Uh, and there is an attitude that they'll be fine, why should they take the vaccine? My argument is, yeah, maybe you'll be fine. And by the way, you don't know that either. We've had a lot of young people who have died. Maybe you will get a long haul syndrome that we're not really sure what it is yet, but a lingering consequence of COVID. Or maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your grandmother. So uh, show some civic responsibility. Governor Cuomo, the expert on COVID, and he would know something about killing grandma, wouldn't he? He's the one who sent COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes, and that, that is allegedly why so many of the elderly population in New York died uh, during the initial stages of COVID. But now he's telling children, uh, children, kids, that they should get vaccinated. And there is precious little evidence that children uh, catch COVID. Very few have done that unless they have other uh, conditions. There is a very minuscule uh, population of children who have contracted COVID. Uh, And so, uh, but now, but now the, uh, what, which it's a Pfizer vaccine is now, you know, pushing to develop a vaccine for kids because just think how much money there is in that. I mean, of course, they don't actually get, you know, COVID, uh, it, it, to the, it's no pandemic. It's no urgent thing for kids to get a vaccine, and yet uh, we must see that they get vaccine, uh, va- uh, vaccinated. I just think it's um, it's really appalling. And I, I want to uh, now turn to a CBS report yesterday that gives kind of gives us a broad view of what's happening with COVID around the country. Let's listen. New coronavirus shutdowns are going into effect in hard-hit Oregon. The state is leading the nation in new infections for a second week in a row. Governor Kate Brown is implementing restrictions on indoor dining and gyms. Meanwhile, in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis signed an executive order Monday suspending all remaining COVID orders across the Sunshine State. And in New York, most restrictions for restaurants, bars, and even theaters will be lifted starting May 19th. Nearly a third of the American population has been fully vaccinated, and all eyes are on federal health officials now reviewing if the COVID shot is safe for younger teens. It's a key step in the nation's road to recovery. All right. Yeah, it's a key step. But but interesting, isn't it? Oregon now is reporting record cases and they're all closing down. That makes no sense to me. Meanwhile, Texas and Florida are reporting fewer coronavirus cases per capita than blue states with mask mandates. And that's the way it's going. In fact, Ron DeSantis yesterday, the governor of Florida, suspended local COVID-19 emergency orders and banned vaccine passports. He signed that bill. And so it's not going to mean that private businesses can't have their own rules like Disney 
or grocery stores, or but it is like uh, emergency orders, penalties uh, on individual businesses for for not doing uh, what the what whatever the local authorities feel that they should do. So that's going to be good news, I think, for some areas of Florida where the they have very uh, liberal mayors who are have really cracked down on the population. So uh, Florida remains the freest state in the nation right now and has just become even freer. But somehow. Some people did not get that memo that um, there is not now a new pandemic. In fact, I just read this. Uh, experts are saying now that it's unlikely that uh, COVID will ever go away, that we will ever reach herd immunity. Uh, so all these so-called you know, um, medical experts are telling us now <laughs> that, that you'll just never do it. Just give up. You'll never. You'll have COVID for the rest of your life. I don't believe that. Uh, my understanding from other doctors is that all of these viruses run their course. Certainly the COVID virus runs its course. And basically, uh, it, it appears from scientists and medical personnel that I trust and have listened to, it runs its course. It, and, and it does, it will do what it will do. In other words, masks and social distancing uh, don't really have an effect on the effect of the virus. Maybe Oregon's going crazy now because they've been so strict. I don't really know. Uh, but nevertheless, it just has to run its course. And when it does, I think we will be done with it. Um, so here's a story that came out of California, came to my way yesterday. And it's called uh, Operation Homebound. And Los Angeles law enforcement officers, according, uh, along with health professionals, are going into the homes of special needs people in the community and forcing them to take vaccinations. Uh, Let's just listen to a little bit of it. This is really hard to watch and probably not easy to listen to, but let's listen. Can I give you a little bit of medicine? I promise. I'll be gentle, okay? I'll be gentle. I'll be gentle, I promise. I promise. Are you done? Almost done. Move in a little bit. So they show they show a whole series of disabled persons being forced to be vaccinated. They hold them down. They vaccinate them. They even showed uh, there was a little uh, piece of a woman who has Alzheimer's, an older woman, and they vaccinate her. Uh, and and it does. People have said this really does seem like what the Nazis did to disabled persons. Trust me, I've seen the videos because of my daughter's condition. I know a little bit about this, and uh, they actually eliminated uh, disabled persons. I'm not saying that the people, the health department officials, were intending to eliminate disabled people. I'm not saying that. But when you come into a home, and you force your way and you force them to have something into their bodies that, uh, that they've not given per- permission for, that's a problem. Uh, and other people are saying, well, how long before they force this vaccination on healthy people? What makes us think that they won't barge into our homes and force us to take the vaccination? I don't know. What is the line there? Why wouldn't they if they could? Uh, and so Sonny Houston, Houston, I don't ever watch The View, so I don't know, but it's spelled Houston. Sonny Houston on The View uh, has some uh, interesting thoughts about this. They were discussing these terrible people that won't get the vaccination on The View this week, and this is what Sonny had to say. 
when you look at the folks that are not getting vaccinated, because it's a quarter of Americans that aren't getting vaccinated, white evangelicals, 45% say they won't get vaccinated, according to a Pew Research. Uh, Republicans, almost 50% of Republicans are refusing to get the vaccine. So we won't reach herd immunity because of those particular groups. So I say we need to shun those that refuse to get vaccinated, just like now in certain states, many states, I know in New York, um, there are signs on on uh, storefronts, on businesses all across the, 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 the state, no mask, no entry. I think if you have not been vaccinated, no entry. You want to get on a plane? You got to be vaccinated. Show proof of vaccination. And those people that don't want to get vaccinated, then that's fine. That's fine for you. But then you can't spread it to other people that are that are vaccinated you can't spread it to other people rather that aren't that, that are also not vaccinated then then you don't get those other liberties that come with immunity it, it just something has to break if that's your personal choice not to get vaccinated you don't then get to infringe on the rights of those who have chosen to protect their fellow citizens right. So let me get this straight. This is the part that doesn't make sense. And before it starts making sense to you, the nonsense, if you get a vaccination, you have to worry about people that don't get it because you're vulnerable. So with people with vaccinations, why why are they worried? Why don't they just, you know, go their way? They've taken care of themselves in their own mind. They're safe. I've heard so many people say, I'm going to get my life back. I'm going to get my life back. I'm getting my vaccination. It's almost like a party. Uh, but now they're saying, no, 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 that means all of you have to do this. You all have to do it. A hundred percent of you must do it. USA Today published an op-ed just last Friday, and it said, um, it's published by Michael Stern. He's a former Justice Department prosecutor. It's time to start shunning the vaccine-hesitant. They're blocking COVID herd immunity. And he writes, a big part of the problem stems from the cultish relationship many evangelicals and Republicans have with the former president. They absorbed his endless efforts to downplay the danger of the virus and turn public health precautions into a political freedom movement. But the time for analyzing why these, this, these human petri dishes have chosen to ignore the medical science that could save them and us is over. We need a strategy. I propose shunning. Restaurants, movie theaters, gyms, barbers, airlines, and Ubers uh, should require proof of vaccination before providing their services, and it shouldn't stop there. Businesses should make vaccination requirement for employment, and on and on Michael Stern's piece goes in the USA Today. So this is where we're headed. Uh, Even though the cases of corona are falling, even though the thing is petering out, and it is petering out, uh, we still have to have an emergency. We still have to be told that there's no herd immunity ever, ever. We're going to live with corona the rest of our lives. You must, you know, uh, comply. You must comply. So uh, this, is, this is kind of where we are. Uh, but this is the thing. The way we push back on this is local, local, local. I've been saying that it's become a theme. And uh, I will say it more and more, and that is because that is where we can still have an effect. Look at Governor DeSantis in Florida. In fact, uh, that takes me to a little different topic because this is going to be a big part of what we're going to discuss today. In the aftermath of the uh, presidential election, a lot of things are happening. Florida just passed a new election bill, 
which uh, adds restrictions to vote, vote by mail and ballot drop boxes. I can't go into the details there with the time I have, but uh, in California, they have voted. California residents have voted, are getting ready to vote to recall Gavin Newsom. That's their governor who has been out of control as an autocrat, especially on COVID. And uh, even the, the Democrats in uh, California are sick of the rules and regulations and having their lives controlled and not being able to go outdoors and losing their jobs and losing their businesses. They're sick of it. So the recall effort out there is, uh, it looks like it may, unless unless the Democrats manage to, they've passed, they've uh, introduced a bill to let people who've signed the recall effort change their minds. So that's the latest attempt to stop this recall of Gavin Newsom. But uh, meanwhile, uh, there's reason to be encouraged. In Pennsylvania, a man was sentenced for casting a ballot for his dead mother in the 2020 election. So um, uh, Bruce Bartman, 70, apologized to Common Pleas Court Judge Richard Capelli during a hearing on Friday saying he made a stupid mistake. There were two other women who've been convicted of voter fraud in Pennsylvania also. So people are doing things, some really good things to try to make sure uh, that uh, to push back. And, uh, and reinstate law and order in their own way. Uh, Judicial Watch just came out with this really interesting story about how Iowa state officials worked with big tech to censor posts related to the 2020 election. And basically, it's about Judicial Watch, in this case, had posted an article that was alerting Iowans that there were, uh, let's see, i got to have the exact, it had, the, uh, it had to do with the number of people registered to vote. Uh, the according to Judicial Watch's uh, numbers and figures, they ha- were letting there were more people voting than on the registration row, and so Judicial, Judicial Watch printed that article. And the uh, an official from the Iowa, I think it was the Secretary of State, called Google, called called Facebook, and asked them to take it down. Sorry, Facebook, and Facebook did take it down. Took uh, you know put this big slap, this big warning that Judicial Watch had been fact checked and it was just not true. They also tried to get Twitter to take it down. They they did everything they could, and this was Iowa officials. It's confirmed in emails now. We know they did that. So there are a lot of bad actors right now, but there are really great people pushing back, and I want you to be one of those great people pushing back. And so that's why we continue to talk the way we are. Coming up next, this is really one of the most exciting stories um, right now, and I don't know if you're hearing about this, but you're going to hear about it this morning. Maricopa County... Uh, in Arizona and Phoenix is recounting the ballots uh, for the November 3rd election. And we're going to talk to uh, one of the state officials there and find out what's happening because it's pretty fascinating. It's like a drama playing out before us. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. How would you describe your health care? If you're like most Americans these days, the word affordable isn't top of mind. Well, here's some good news. There's actually a trusted healthcare option that is affordable. It's called MediShare. Unlike insurance, MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. Hundreds of thousands of believers across America who share each other's medical bills. For over 25 years, they've trusted in the MediShare model because it works. You'll be amazed at what you'll save up to 500 bucks every month. And here's the best part. Because MediShare is based on biblical principles, you never pay for things that go against your beliefs. MediShare is affordable health care for Christians. Call 833-44-BIBLE to find out how much you can save on your health care. MediShare, 
Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. This Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. Join millions of praying Americans who are united in prayer for our country. Connect from your mobile device or computer to the largest online prayer gathering ever. It's an incredible opportunity to experience the power of prayer as one nation under God. Be a part of this historic day along with fellow Christians who are ready to make a difference by lifting up our nation in prayer. Free prayer resources are waiting for you right now. Join an online prayer room and invite family, friends, and neighbors to join you for the National Day of Prayer. Just go to pray.team. There's absolutely no cost to participate. This is your call to prayer, and now's the time to answer the call. Our country needs your prayers more than ever, so join the Presidential Prayer Team for the National Day of Prayer. We'll see you online at pray.team. That's pray.team. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. There is unrest in the Republican Party, and that is a good thing. Will the party of Lincoln go the way of Reagan and Trump, or Romney and the establishment? Over the weekend, Senator Mitt Romney was nearly booed off the stage at the Utah Republican Party. Delegates sending a clear message they did not approve of Romney's impeachment votes. Romney survived a censure vote, but he's not out of the danger zone. Neither is Liz Cheney, the Republican conference leader, sworn enemy of the Make America Great Again movement, facing what could be yet another attempt to remove her from power. Conservative voters have grown weary of her anti-Trump screeds. The Republican Party has had something of a metamorphosis over the past decade. It's no longer the party of Bush or Cheney or Romney. It's the party of we the people, thanks to the hard work of President Trump. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The firm conducting the audit is called the Cyber Ninjas. Who are they and what are they trying to do? Well, the Cyber Ninjas is a very a tiny Florida cybersecurity firm that has absolutely no experience in elections. It does, however, have a CEO, Doug Logan, who has the experience of having promoted a variety of conspiracy theories about the election, all of which lead to the conclusion, his inescapable conclusion, that Donald Trump really won this election. He is the man who is overseeing Arizona's election audit. So how did this audit come about? Because there had already been other audits, as we know, in Arizona, right? And they only confirmed the results that Donald Trump had lost the state. Why this third one? Right. Because we have a bunch of Republican elected officials in this state who will not stand up 
to the base, which is led by our state Republican Party chairwoman, Kelly Ward, uh, also known as Kim Trails Kelly, from her days in the legislature when she dragged the Department of Environmental Security up to her home district to hold a hearing, an official state hearing, on Kim Trails above her district that were concerning to her. Um, this is the head of our state Republican Party here, and they have refused to accept any result other than the result that Donald Trump won this election. There has been conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory about how Democrats stole this election. Starting out shortly after the election from Sharpie pins were given out to Republican voters and, and they somehow negated any vote for anyone who voted with a Sharpie pin to any, you know, you name the conspiracy yeah. theory, it happens in Arizona. It's like Groundhog Day here. It just goes on and on and on. And we're locked into November 3rd and we can't get out of it. Now, that was Lori Roberts, uh, who is a journalist from Arizona, talking with uh, C- uh, someone on CNN. And of course, it's just funny, you know, it's just a Groundhog Day. There's nothing to see. This is ridiculous. Well, maybe not. Uh, the story is that on November the 3rd, uh, President Trump lost by 10,457 votes. Uh, Joe Biden purportedly won the victory. Uh, he won, and a Democrat had not won in that county since 1996 when, uh, Joe, when um, Bill Clinton carried it. So uh, Maricopa is a pretty conservative county. It's the largest county around Phoenix. Uh, and so people wondered. You heard in the early days about the recount. Uh, you heard about the, the Sharpie pens, all of that stuff. But somehow they have managed to come back to a real real recount. And we want to talk about that. One of the heroes of this particular war, because a war is raging out there, uh, is uh, Jake Hoffman. He's my guest right now. Uh, Jake is a brand new member of the Arizona House of Representatives. He was elected on November the 3rd, and he has been, you know, man the battleships ever since, doing everything he can uh, to sort out what happened in Arizona. And he joins us this morning. Jake, thanks for joining us. I know it's early out there, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Sandy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, so um, just to be clear, just basically, what are you guys, what is it that you hope to accomplish? This is not going to change the presidential outcome. What is it you're hoping to accomplish? Well, let's start with a little bit of fire. So Lori uh, Roberts, who you had in that clip, Lori is a hack. Lori is a fake Republican who continues to register as a Republican so that she can write for the Arizona Republic, which is the big uh, mainstream left-wing media here. Uh, And she is nothing more than a shill for the Democrats. So let's get that out of the way right off the bat. Now, the reality is she calls this a conspiracy theory and things like that. Look, what we're doing is deconstructing what occurred. Now, you can't imagine taking a test in school, getting a bad grade on it, and never understanding why you got a bad grade on it. Well, right now, Maricopa County got a bad grade on this election. Now, that doesn't mean that there was necessarily systemic, but it does mean that voter confidence is at an all-time low in Maricopa County and more broadly across the state. And so it is incumbent upon the legislature, who has the constitutional authority and duty for for managing and administering elections, to understand exactly what occurred, what the irregularities were, what the inconsistencies were, so that we can legislate correctly to ensure voter confidence moving forward. Jake, just to retrace a little bit, because I did, of course, talk about this, and you and I have talked on the air before. Uh, You guys had some great hearings in the aftermath of November 3rd, and I don't remember, was that convened by the the Senate, by committee? It was an official hearing, wasn't it? 
No, so those were actually unofficial fact-finding hearings uh, done by uh, a number of members of the legislature, um, which was really meant to raise awareness and, and help to get us to where we are now. Yeah, so, uh, so and, and listen, I watched them, and I was really, it really shook me to my core, because these were really credible people talking about what they had seen. And while the media was trying to, to pretend to us that nothing had happened, they were telling a very different story. It's the kind of evidence that never made it to the courts. But now somehow, Jake, uh, there are right now, uh, first of all, okay, let me go back again. There were other recounts. There have been recounts already since November 3rd, correct? Yes. Now, what they're doing is, is the, the folks in the media and the Democrats who say that, who say, oh, well, we've done recounts, we've done audits, they're conflating some very uh, confusing statutory terms. So we do have what's called a hand count audit, uh, but that occurs every election. And that's simply to ensure that the tally on the machines matches the tally on a very small sample of ballots. It is by no means forensic, and it is by no means deeper than barely scratching the surface, right? But that is something that's just statutory to make sure that there's, that there's some accuracy in terms of, in terms of uh, you know, what ballots came in, right? It's not actually looking at, are the ballots legitimate? Did the machines count correctly? Things like that. And so they're really just trying to confuse and muddy the waters here so that the, the American people get tired and disengaged. I mean, this is the, the left's playbook through and through. You look at every issue, whether it's Russian collusion or burying the Hunter Biden story, they try to flood the zone with misinformation and disinformation so that people get tired of the noise and disengage. And that's what they're trying to do here. They don't want people to see that legislatures in states, in free states, thankfully, like Arizona, are standing up to the mob and standing up to say, you know what, we have a, we have a responsibility and a duty here, and we take it seriously. I'm curious, uh, uh, Jake, uh, are, are people in Arizona still hanging with you guys, or are they getting tired and beginning to complain? No, they're hanging with us. We get This is the number one issue that legislate, legislators get emails on. So we get thousands upon thousands upon thousands of emails every single week, uh, all telling us, complete the audit, please ensure that we can have confidence in the process and that there's integrity in how we run our elections. And, and early on, uh, when we talked, I believe when we talked last, you, you had a lot of foot draggers who were Republicans. And I thought uh, the Senate was, I thought the House was a little more keen and the Senate were the foot draggers. But the Senate is actually the one who asked for this audit officially, correct? It, it, that's correct. Look, this is all thanks to Senator Warren Peterson and uh, Senate President Karen Fan, um, you know, uh, along with uh, many others, right? It's a, it's a majority run body. And so we've got to have 16 to get things done. And they have had resolve, and they have been steadfast, and I, I honestly I commend them for that. Yeah, isn't it? It really is something. And I, I think the dynamic here, if I had to guess, uh, like everywhere else in the country, like in Michigan where there were hearings and other places, when the evidence is actually examined, it's startling. And so perhaps, uh, you yeah. know, the evidence finally filtered down to their consciousness, and they stopped just looking at headlines and their local paper. And uh, so they've gotten serious about it, but you've had all kinds of obstacles. Uh, I, I, this whole drama of the judge, I found uh, that was one of your most recent, and I don't know how you feel about it, but you had a, you had a judge who was, uh, shall we say, uh, that sounds like he's, uh, let's just say he was ruling based on the law, and then he recused himself, and you got a Democrat appointed judge who, uh, just talk about that for a second. 
Yeah, well, look, what, what did the Democrats do? I mean, the Democrats are experts at lawfare, right? So they use the court system uh, to push their radical agenda, no matter what issue we're talking about. And this, case, this, is, this situation is no different. So we got a judge who was ruling by the law, who was fair, who was judicious, and they didn't like that. And so what did they do? They found some very obscure legal aid at one of the law firms representing the Senate uh, who used to clerk for the judge. And they used that as a way to say, oh, he has a conflict of interest. He cannot rule in this case. He can't be a part of this case. And so they forced him to recuse himself because of, you know, that perceived conflict of interest. Uh, and, and we ended up getting a Democrat judge. Now, Thankfully, the Democrat judge has, has been, uh, I wouldn't say totally, uh, completely fair, but he's been mostly fair um, since he took over. I mean, keep in mind, the audit is still going, despite Democrat attempts right now. And we're going to continue to fight this uh, and, and fend off their lawfare attacks on this matter so that we can get to the finish line on the audit and get a complete report released. Of course, it did catch my eye that this this judge who's taken the place of the judge who was ruling uh, by the law with you guys, Judge Daniel Martin, uh, has ties to the, the law firm Perkins Coy, which is at the epicenter of uh, democratic chicanery. And so that that makes me nervous. It makes me think, you know, are they are they holding off to drop some bomb on you guys at the last minute? But we don't know that. Uh, that's just my commentary on that. I am concerned about it. We don't, it. unfortunately. And look, Perkins Coie is, is certainly at the epicenter, as you said, of, of democratic law, you know, legal shenanigans. So the reality is, is he probably should recuse himself for that. I mean, if, if a yeah, legal really? aid is enough to recuse on the other side, he should probably recuse for that. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, and Sandy, you know this as well as any, because you watch these things every day. Uh, unfortunately, Republicans don't tend to get to get that lucky, right? We tend mm-hmm. to play uh, more fair, and we don't uh, we don't exploit the same leverage points that the Democrats are are seemingly more than willing to. Yeah, we should say also the recusal is voluntary, and so the judge who was ruling by the law volunteered to recuse himself because I'm sure he didn't want to put a taint on the outcome. And the judge who has a conflict himself, the Democrat, is not going to recuse himself. And so that's just the bottom line on that. All right, so leaving that aside, this is, uh, you've got 2.1 million ballots. You have uh, rented this huge facility. Uh, It's um, a Veterans Memorial Coliseum. So how's it going? Describe how how it's going and and what's happening. Absolutely. It's going very, very well. So we have thousands of volunteers, Republicans, Democrats, independents, who have signed up to help, uh, you know, do the hand count portion of the, uh, of the audit. Um, we did just wrap up, uh, the forensics on the machines, uh, over the weekend. And so those have been, in my understanding, those have been transported back to the Maricopa County Tabulation Center. Um, and so we still have, uh, realistically, we have probably another, uh, 20 days or so on the hand count portion. Um, and then there will be some additional ballot forensics following that. Uh, and then they'll take, you know, it could be up to, my guess would be up to 30 days or so to put together a report that will then be delivered to the Senate uh, for review and then ultimately released. Jake, do you have any confidence that, you know, one thing we were hearing after November 3rd was that these vote these questionable voter machines. You're not just looking at voting machines, but this is certainly part of the story 
have any confidence that they have not been tampered with and returned to you having been tampered with or wiped out? Or do you have confidence in the condition upon which they were delivered back to you to, to examine? So the reality is I don't have enough information, and I don't think any of it, I don't think most of us have enough information to be able to say one way or another on that. What I can tell you is that the, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, most of them, Republicans, are being recalled right now by the voters for their political doublespeak, their obfuscation, uh, and, and you know their obstinance when it comes to complying with legal subpoenas by the Senate. Um, and they're being recalled for a reason, right? The people are ticked because they've shown that they're bad faith actors in terms of executing the will of, of uh, the, their constituents in Maricopa County. And so from that standpoint, I hope that the machines, I, I, you know, on its face, I have to give benefit of the doubt. I, I think that the machines are, are, were, were given to us uh, in good faith, um, but we, you know, we truly won't know until uh, the forensics come back. So there are three different processes to this, as I understand it. You are reviewing the actual ballots, and there will be a forensic audit of the voting machines. Are you? Are you? Is are the cyber ninjas and the other four, four three firms, three or four? Uh, are they going to be doing that audit, or is there someone else who's a voting machine expert who's coming in to do that? So, so my understanding is that the Senate has has gone through the procurement process, selected their vendors. And so Cyber Ninjas were the vendor that was selected to lead this project, and so they will be overseeing the team that uh, that okay. conducts the, uh, the you know the data analysis and, and the technology analysis. Okay, so then uh, it, it also follow up interviews with voters. Now, what's what's that about? Like, uh, if you see your irregularity, you want to check and see if the voter lives where they live, or if it was their signature, or is that the kind of thing you're talking about? And would that be all two million votes? Well, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of nuances and a a lot of uh, kind of individual situations that go into an audit. The thing that I'll tell you is that this is, you know, it is a forensic audit, right? This is not a fly-by-night or this is not a, you know, cursory wave top, hey, let's satisfy the people, uh, you know, let's satisfy the squeaky wheel uh, kind of audit. This is actually a deep dive. They are really looking at at, you know, the ballot paper. Does the ballot paper, uh, is it legitimate, right? They're looking at uh, the, the votes and, okay, were they tabulated correctly in terms of machine-to-ballot correlation? Um, were the machines working correctly? Uh, was any data transferred from those machines? They are really looking at granular level here so that we can understand what occurred. And, and I have every confidence that the Senate is overseeing a, uh, a good uh, audit and that they will do whatever it takes to get the information that's necessary so that we can legislate uh, from an informed position coming back in 2022 uh, and secure our elections uh, to, to the fullest extent. You know, I, I have to make it a personal comment here because uh, that Arizona, uh, uh, the, uh, the journalist, the journalist, quote unquote, uh, that we opened <laughs> the, the clip with, uh, it took, mentioned Kelly Ward, and I have known Kelly for a long time since she ran for Senate and other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, gotten to know her pretty well, and she is tough as nails. She is the Arizona chairman, chairman for the Arizona Republican Party, <clears throat> and I don't, I know that she does not give up. She is like a bulldog, and so I, I see her behind this, and you too, Jake. Yeah. So well, well thanks. Yeah, like I said, look, we'll, let's let's hopefully we can end the way we started. Lori Roberts is a hack, and that's the bottom line. So nobody cares what her nobody cares about her opinion. She writes yeah. for the Arizona Republic as an opinion columnist. Um, she's she's not a journalist. Uh, she does masquerade as one. CNN, obviously, you know, the kings of disinformation. 
uh, want to treat her as a journalist, but the reality is that she is a political hack that works for the Democrats. Yeah, I have to say, I have to tell another story here. I, I know that this was news to you, too, but someone that I trust and actually checked the story out verifies the source of it, uh, the, the, the people that put this out, and that is that there is intelligence surveillance aircraft uh, circling the place where the audit's taking place. And the, the, the concern is, uh, okay, I want to read it to you, CD Media, and we've looked uh, to see who that is, and they are very reputable, has been informed by multiple verified sources that U.S. government intelligence surveillance craft have been circling over the Arizona election audit location. The PC-12 aircraft has full motion video capability and can vacuum up cell phone transmissions and follow the connection to the other end of the call to find out intelligence and on the other party involved. These aircraft were used heavily in the Middle East against terrorists. There is no information on what the U.S. government agency is using. The aircraft to spy on American citizens working for election integrity. Sources say it could be the FBI, the military, or U.S. intelligence agencies. Uh, is there is that something that people there have been talking about, uh, have concerns about, Jake? No, I haven't heard that from anyone locally. Uh, I, I have no knowledge of, of that occurring or not occurring. Um, you know, what I can tell you, though, is that the security that we've got uh, down at the uh, at the Coliseum is, is top-notch. Um, we've got, you know, there's cameras, right? We have uh, seven or nine cameras on a live feed 24-7 of the floor. Um, we're protecting our volunteers that go down there, um, you know, trying to, you know, we're shielding ballots from being photographed and, and published by the media. Um, so, I mean, we're taking every step we can to secure the site. Uh, but I, I have I have no knowledge of, of the, uh, you know, the, the story that you were mentioning. Yep. Well, uh, anyway, so it's on the record, and I think uh, people should know about that. You know, you wouldn't stop you. I wouldn't stop me. I'd still be doing it. They can do what they, all the chicanery and nonsense they want to do. We have to do what's right. And I, I'm curious to know, your governor, Governor Ducey, uh, my impression, correct me if I'm wrong, is that he was sort of a hesitant uh, that he was disappointing in this election cycle and did not step forward to fight back or intercede in any way. How is he doing with this recount? Is he supporting it, saying anything publicly about it? Uh, so he, he's been fairly silent thus far. Um, he hasn't done anything to intercede to obstruct or stop it. So I'll take that as a, as a, as a win, as progress for us over here in Arizona. Um, but no, he, he's been, he's been quiet on it. And I think, look, he's taking realistically a a discerning kind of judicious perspective, which is let's, you know, Hey, it's underway. We'll see what happens when it, when it, when the report's published. Right. And that's probably the the best spot for him to be in right now in terms of, uh, you know, providing, uh, that executive role, uh, over, over this process. So Jake, when this is done, um, what do you expect? I'm not talking about numbers, but let's just say in general, you're going to then report how many people voted. This is just two races. It's the presidential and the Senate race, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll publish these numbers. And then what in the world? Um, you know, this will either put to bed, you know, all the speculation that there was some chicanery in the the the, uh, the voting on November 3rd, or uh, what's going to happen if the result ends up being what some of us think it might be? Oh, you know what? Well, you got to answer quickly. Uh, There's the music. <laughs> yeah. So, look, we, we need to understand what happens so we can legislate correctly moving forward. Um, and that's the bottom line. And yeah. so we're going to do uh, the audit. We're going to get the report. We'll release the report so that we have transparency in this process. Uh, and then we're going to make decisions in terms of what laws we put in place 
to protect future elections. A, uh, great. Uh, and I w- will be looking forward to talking to you, Jake, when that result comes out. AZ, uh, Arizona State Representative Jake Hoffman, uh, up with us very early this morning to give us an update. And uh, we will be praying and thinking about the people of Arizona because the repercussions for the rest of the country are so great. Cindy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. So we Christians are not without hope. We are not without help. We are not on our own in this. We are not simply reliant upon the Dr. Fauci's of the world. Uh, We have a higher authority to whom we answer than Dr. Fauci can even begin to imagine. And so our hope and our trust is in him. The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. And although they know the ordinance of God, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has authorized U.S. embassies and consulates around the world to fly the rainbow flag in celebration of the LGBTQIAP plus political agenda on the same pole as the U.S. flag through the end of June. Diplomatic outposts are not required to fly the flag, but Secretary Blinken has given the green light for U.S. embassies and consulates to do so. They want to represent to the world that rebellion against God's word is officially an intrinsic American value. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Physical affection between fathers and their sons, from simple contact to hugs, is critically important to the health of growing boys. According to long-term studies, the more time and physical contact fathers have with their young sons, starting in infancy, the deeper and stronger the bond between them. The physical engagement of fathers, from changing diapers to resting on the floor to mere physical and emotional presence, even has an important impact on the brain development of their sons. Keep the momentum rolling through adolescence by reading the Boy to Man book with your son when he turns 12. I've written this book for you dads to help you impart the wisdom of Solomon to your son on his journey to manhood. Order your copy today at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio.
This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Aspiring authoritarians have long used the capabilities of like-minded corporations to control populations. Could such a Marxist-fascistic partnership take down our republic? Big tech and other businesses in this country have actively suppressed freedom of speech by canceling some Americans' access to or use of social media platforms, including the then-president, Donald Trump. In fact, this practice helped elect Joe Biden by preventing voters from knowing about his son Hunter's compromising laptop. So-called woke corporations are establishing and will soon be enforcing vaccine passports, impacting Americans' freedom of movement, association, and other personal conduct in ways the Biden administration favors but for which it declines to be held responsible. Now, CNN reports that the Department of Homeland Security is exploring outsourcing to outside firms warrantless and therefore unconstitutional surveillance of Americans' communications inside this country. Is all this acceptable to you? This is Frank Afney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The reality is that that warrant is completely illegal. The only way you can get a search warrant is if you can show that there's some evidence that the person is going to destroy the evidence or is going to or is going to run away with the evidence. Well, I've had it for two years and I haven't destroyed it. And they also got it from the iCloud in the middle of the impeachment defense. They invaded without telling me my uh, iCloud. They took documents that are privileged and then they unilaterally decided what they could read and not read. So the prosecutors, the Justice Department, spied on me. That's just amazing. Uh, What's happening is amazing. And I just read a follow-up article on uh, the surveillance over the uh, counting center in Arizona. It looks to me like it's a very very verified story, as I said to Jake. And so um, what's happening to America? You just heard Frank talk about uh, the fact that the Homeland Security is now, uh, they're talking about, they're bantering about, you know, how to surveil Americans by using private vendors to sort of check up on us for the government and then work with the government. That, so the government's not directly doing it, but these, you know, vendors who have our phones, have our uh, social media accounts can help a little bit. You think they might help a little bit? Like they did in Iowa, which is Judicial Watch just exposed that. Yeah, I think they might. And so what a strange time. But in the case of Rudy Giuliani, there's a great article written by Lee Smith, The Real Reasons Behind the Rudy Giuliani Raid. And I want to read a little bit of it to you. Expectations that the FBI was investigating possible crimes documented on Hunter Biden's laptop were laid to rest earlier this week when agents raided the home and office of Rudolph Giuliani, the man who made news of the laptop public. Now, remember this. A couple of things. This is the Biden Justice Department going into Rudy Giuliani, who was the attorney for President Trump, their, uh, their, their chief enemy. Rudy is the one who made it known that Hunter uh, was dealing with this um, Ukrainian energy company and taking all kinds of money from Ukraine, also from uh, China. It was Rudy who spearheaded that. So when the agents went into his home, seven of them, as I recall reading, they they did not take Hunter Biden's laptops because Rudy Giuliani had two of them. They asked him, uh, he said, aren't you going to take these? And they said, no. So they're not interested in Hunter Biden's laptops, which have, as we understand from others who were involved with Hunter, 
have a, will have extremely incriminating things, photos, all kinds of transactions of his contacts with the Russians, also implicating his father, the president of the United States. They didn't want those laptops, but they did want the other things. But back to Lee Smith. According to reports, federal investigators are looking for evidence that the former mayor of New York City violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA, by illegally lobbying on behalf of Ukrainian officials. But that's just a pretext to search his communications and records to find something with which to take revenge against a man who helped uncover the corruption of America's first family. And, and so, and so uh, to hunt Giuliani, the commander-in-chief, has deployed federal law enforcement authorities, which have their own reason to retaliate against one of the Department of Justice's most famous former prosecutors. Giuliani helped thwart the FBI and DOJ's plot to topple an American president. So they're all motivated to take him down. They're all motivated. The Bidens want revenge. I'm sure they do. The whole Biden family's corrupt. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are some people in the Biden family who aren't corrupt, but it's not his sister or his brothers. It's not his son. Uh, it, and it, I don't know. Maybe it's his wife. Maybe she's uh, not corrupt. I don't know. But she's certainly benefiting from the corruption of her husband. Uh, the whole family has been corrupt for decades, and you just didn't know it because the media didn't bother to tell you. And Joe has such a nice smile. He's a nice guy. And he's a moderate, right? Okay, so Giuliani exposed that, and he must be, you know, uh, destroyed himself, the former mayor of New York City, who walked that city through 9-11 with such courage. Um, It's amazing what's happening here. So um, uh, Lee Smith goes on to write, until recently, Farah was seldom a seldom enforced law requiring representatives of foreign principals to register with the Justice Department. It is intended to promote transparency, but most Washington, D.C. influence peddlers disregard it and when found in violation are simply forced to register and pay a fine. All that changed in July 26 when the FBI used FARA violations, allegedly, uh, alleged FARA violations, as the basis to investigate Trump's presidential campaign. They came after Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn. Uh, they came after uh, Waleed Ferris. They came after... Uh, uh, the the young guy that was in the news I can't even think of his name right now but they came after all of them on this so called uh, this so called violation of FARA and now they're using it on Rudolf, Rudy Giuliani so um, in trying to hang a Ukraine related FARA violation on Giuliani the Biden administration is giving more evidence that the Democratic Party's default criminal offense is to obscure their legal activities by accusing their rivals of doing exactly what they are, in fact, doing. I've said that to you many times. Maybe it's been a while. If you want to know what the left is doing, look at what they're accusing their enemies of doing, even when it comes to racism. They accuse conservatives of being racist when they are the biggest racists on the planet. Uh, They secretly use the black community and brown community to their own political ends uh, we can see by their, I'll just give you an example, they love abortion and they love Planned Parenthood. And where are those clinics placed? They're placed in black and brown neighborhoods. And so I, I, that's just one little bit. But, uh, and also just the disregard or the lack of confidence in black Americans to assume that they can't find voter ID. They're too inept, too incapable to actually do what other Americans are required to do. That's, that's, that is... Um, what what did uh, this is uh, one of the things that George Bush said that was really good the soft bigotry of low expectations that is bigotry 
uh, that I, I've got to help you. You know, you're too, you're too, you're not smart enough to take, so I'm going to take care of you. They don't really care about taking care of you, but they, they want to get credit for being some sort of champions for the black community when the opposite is true. And they're not helping the black community. Democratic policies in cities all over the country for decades can show you that black families, black people in these big major cities and, and those areas have suffered terribly in terms of their education, uh, their lack of jobs. It's, it's been horrendous. The democratic legacy of their policies toward minority communities is disgraceful. Okay, so that's enough. I just They do accuse uh, their enemies of doing exactly what they're doing. Uh, he goes on to talk about uh, the, uh, during the, like the, um, in the impeachment of President Trump. They accused President Trump of doing exactly what Joe Biden had done in Ukraine, uh, where he had uh, threatened to withhold aid if the Ukrainians didn't fire this prosecutor who was coming, uh, investigating his son, Hunter. He didn't say it that way, but that's what was happening. And he bragged about it. He boasted about it. We had the clip. We played it over and over again. And that's exactly what they accused President Trump of doing in the impeachment hearing of uh, try, you know, trying to punish Ukraine and get them to do what he wanted them to do when that was just not true. Uh, the same is so with the allegations that Giuliani took money to influence U.S. policy regarding Ukraine. The Ukrainian energy company had hired Hunter for just that purpose, and it worked. Even his father said so. Thus, in perspective, the FBI's failure to investigate Hunter Biden for the possible crimes described on his laptop is a minor detail in a much larger and darker shroud. With law enforcement authorities targeting the enemies of the president's family, the Biden administration announces that the United States has formally embraced the politics and ethics of the third world. And that is really true. It is really true. It's just amazing as we watch the wheels come off the bus. But not everyone's down with this, and I don't think uh, Democrats who love this country are down with it either. So uh, I'm not, I'm uh, still, I have a, a sort of a glimmer of hope this morning. I heard James Carville appear, uh, and um, I don't have time to play it this morning, but he's talking about how ridiculous wokeness is. James, if you don't know who he was, he was, he was one of uh, President Bill Clinton's chief advisors. I debated James many times uh, on on television, and uh, James is a radical. Well, he's a, he was a, let's just say he was a Democrat. <laughs> he was an old-style Democrat who would win at any cost, but he was not a leftist. And uh, I didn't know that until he made these statements about wokeness. He's not down with it. And uh, his comments are really pretty amusing to me. And if we have time, we'll play them tomorrow. Uh, So this is kind of the state of things. Um, uh, But don't be discouraged. People are fighting back. And like I said, be a champion. Be like Jake Hoffman. Be like Sidney Powell. Be like the people that you see that are taking a stand and speaking the truth, no matter what the cost is. Because in the final analysis... Uh, we will look back and be glad that we fought. I think that people are actually feel freer when they take action and uh, think about what you can do to do. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.